Um, and I think probably you, like I, will have sort of fallen in love with Nick's writing over the years and the characters um, that he writes that you will know as your relatives or your neighbours or your friends or dare I even say it, uh, yourselves um, because that's what Nick does so beautifully is that he writes us. Um, I love a short story collection. I haven't always um, but I've sort of fallen in love with short stories in the last decade or so. How do you know, Nick, when the time has come for another collection <laughs> as opposed to another novel? <laughs> Thank you very much, Sarina. Um, I'm very thrilled to be here, and I just want to welcome you all who has made it. And uh, yeah, um, it, just to uh, go back to your question, um, it, it's always a trial and error. Yeah. <coughs> you, you, you never know. You never know. But um, I think uh, the previous collections, for for me personally, the previous collections are the ones that have, uh, you know, propelled me to say, no, look, uh, short stories are a current thing in South Africa, especially in Joburg. You know, people love short stories um, because, I, and I, I kept wondering, is it because we have a how train? You know, because people read there, you know, short stories are easier to read, uh, maybe on your way to Pretoria, on your way to the airport and stuff. So they, be, but also the writers themselves. You know, I think uh, many writers that are doing short stories are writing best short stories mm -hmm. in South Africa. And it's not only me. We got lots of writers that are writing short stories in South Africa that are very you have to look out for. You know, so uh, there's yeah, there's no there's no right time. You know, every time is the right time. Is it true that you're love of the short story actually is rooted in a tragedy that you... Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, while I was, a, um, I was a student at Vet University, um, I had a friend who, uh, in 2007, we were doing, I was doing, I think, my first uh, law degree. Well, I, I, I never thought I was going to be a writer anyway. I thought I was going to be a lawyer, so... I did a law degree at Vets University, uh, first year, and on that year, uh, a, a friend of mine uh, uh, committed suicide by jumping from 16th floor, you know? And that's when I decided, let me just rather go to Cape Town, you know, uh, to further my studies. And in Cape Town, because for me around that time, it was a strange place, I even thought you need a passport to come here around that time. Strange, very that strange in, t in terms of language, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, things that I was used to, you know, uh, I was, uh, in Jobek, for instance, there was nightlife, in, and I have, maybe I happened to be in the wrong place, in Rondebosch, and then there was no nightlife, you know, so I decided, what should I do? I have to buy a, um, you know, a computer, uh, and started writing a short story, uh, which is in um, affluenza, you know. So, also, and, 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 and luckily, that short story came after, uh, you know, uh, publishing Doggy Dog in 2004. 
but it's the first short story that I've ever written that was not published in South Africa, it was published in Germany. That's why my relationship with Germany started around that time, 2004, um, when they made that collection, Hizo, they called it Hizo Hizo because everyone wanted to come to South Africa around that time, you know, yeah. So yes, it started with a tragedy, the, my, uh, you know, uh, love, my writing of short stories yeah. and my love, yeah. My publisher always says that writing is really just collecting, collecting words. But I wonder when you write a, a book like this, do you set out with, I'm going to write another short story collection, or do you collect these stories and then you have enough to turn into a book? Yeah, I think, uh, it, we, uh, thanks for that question. Why? Because when my publisher, when she's here, when she rejects some of the things, like when she says, oh, um, uh, this one, you cannot write it. Like in this short story collection, it was supposed to be 11. And I sent one short story, she said, it sounds like something I have seen on TV. It's, it's, some people will think we're plagiarized. And I thought, oh, it means that this is the story that also needs to be told, but in a different way. Sure. So I don't normally throw things in the bin whenever I'm rejected. I put them together, one day they will be publishable, you know. Just like when I published, for instance, Dog Eat Dog, uh, After Tears, for instance, it was part of Dog Eat Dog, it was one novel. And then they said, ah, this part, no, it's set in Jordan, we don't like it, let's just focus on this one. I said, okay, I'll get it. And I gave them uh, uh, the same manuscript and they didn't realize that it was the same manuscript <laughs> and it became after uh, after tears and it became successful so even these short stories that are here some of them are the short stories that um, people thought like they are not uh, there were some some of them were a little bit of chapters you know in the <laughs> in the book and I realized okay let me stick to this thing I will write this as a theme later, you know, mm. instead of maybe in the book sometimes, you know, you know when you write a book, it's multi-themed and people mm -hmm. think like, ah, uh, you know, let's write a focus on this particular theme because that one doesn't have, uh, doesn't carry the story forward. Mm. And I, just, I don't throw it away. I just mm. make something out of it. So I don't waste words. Don't waste words. I yeah. love that. I love that. How do you know that something's going to work or not work? Do you have that aha moment, that kind of uh, thing that kind of clicks, or are you able to kind of go, oh, not this, but can you put eyes on your own work? I guess after uh, uh, many years of writing, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you can, and also, um, uh, uh, but as, um, I think that's where I realize that when they say writing is, well, I don't, I'm, I don't fall into that notion that writing is a lonely thing, you know. Mm. Because for me, writing it's um, is something that you do with others. You measure through others. So uh, I don't mind at some point uh, in Jovek, for instance, there's a place that I go a lot. They call it Shai Shai. And then I go there and then we have a drinking moment with my friends, Fred Kumar or oh, whatever, yeah. you know? I'm telling you right now, that is a hot mess. For and sure then, it is. And then you introduce what you're going to write mm -hmm. in a very subtle way. And they say, oh, you know when writers are drinking, oh, that, why don't you do it this way? And that's where you find a mm -hmm. way of doing a story. Because uh, to be honest with you, the stories that you read here are not new. It's not something that, that's why we 
always uh, people will, will always resonate it always resonate with people because they're not new there's nothing new about it but it's in the way I have uh, you know put it out there to the people to read that that is uh, that makes the story interesting so I write uh, when I sit behind the tech the, the desk you know that's part of writing actually it's, it's, it's not so, so for me I always say that writing is a process mm. so um, if I go I have an idea and then I meet with friends it start with the idea that you have and then you go to to meet friends and then you introduce that particular idea and then they give you other options how to write that story that's part of writing and then the final part of writing is whereby I sit behind the desk and start typing so that's the part of uh, it, it finishes the process of writing but not quite because the process of writing is rewriting and rewriting we rewrite so many times uh, because uh, now as you are writing other ideas come to feed the skeleton that you already have yeah. or that you have already created yeah. so that's how I write actually so um, when you ask me when I write it, it starts with observation it starts with dreaming it starts with talking about that story it starts with uh, attempting to write it you know and talking the story to other people so it's a process in itself yeah. it's a very organic yeah. thing isn't it i want to go back to something that i didn't realize when you said that you um you i knew that you'd studied law and i knew that um you obviously came down to cape town but i didn't know that you didn't always think you were going to be a writer yeah no i didn't actually i uh, grew up in um in a, in a highly politicized place yeah. called uh, Orlando West, yeah. you know, uh, those who know Villagas Street, that's where it used to, to it used to be our address, you know, mm. before it was gentrified, of course. Mm. So, um, in that area, there's no way you can grow up to be a writer. You always want to you grow up to uh, uh, wanting to be a politician, and my ambition was to go into exile, you know, because. Uh, it's a poor family, so you'll find that there's a guy over there, you know, uh, at that corner house who's got a big house and a beautiful uh, wife, you know, and kids. They eat three courses of meal in a, in, a, in, a, you know, in a day, and somebody comes and tells you, you know, in exile, if you join the PAC, because that was a highly PAC, Zefmo Tupin used to live here. Um, you know, Uncle Zef, and then there's also a Mandela's house, uh, Mawini Mandela's house on the other side. We, they, it used to be called Beaverly Hills, you know. Mm -hmm. So you live around that area. It's a fairly rich area, but you're poor. And then you hear somebody who uh, is from exile or who wants to go into exile telling you there are reasons of wanting to go into exile, being that in exile, there's three costs you know, so uh, in exile, actually, when you are there, you know, you are, uh, when you come back, you come back a king, you know, yeah. in terms of ladies will fall for you and stuff like that, you know. So you want, that's the kind of life that you want to be, you want to be a politician. So that's why I took law. Uh, one of the reasons I took law, again, was the fact that uh, I grew up around the time of political turmoil, you know, whereby... Um, uh, 
there were lots of people that were uh, always incarcerated. They would always go to jail, but they would go to that guy over there who has got a double story, who is a lawyer, to get representation. And that guy was our role model, you know. So that's how uh, I wanted to be a lawyer. So unfortunately, I failed it, and I'm glad I failed it, so that I could be a writer. Yeah. So the writing came in where? Because I mean, you you read a lot of um, African writers when you were growing up, and, and that's not something that I hear normally when I'm speaking to us about our stories. People kind of the what what I hear is, and I didn't see myself. I wasn't reading myself. Yeah. But you were reading books from the continent. Yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, there used to be a, um, a, a series called African Writers Series uh, by Hannah, I think. So, uh, you know what is so beautiful about that series was that every book that comes out of it, what they would do is like at the back or at the front of the, uh, you open the book or the novel or the short story or poetry, you open the back or open the front, they start with, we also publish Ngugi Watiogo. We also publish Kamara Laie. We always publish, you know, uh, uh, you know, Bucci uh, uh, you know. So they list all those, uh, uh, you know, um, writers, and you pick that book from a library, for instance. Uh, after reading the story, you realize that oh, these are writing exactly in the same, in the language that is mostly accessible to me. I'll tell you why I'm saying accessible to me. Um, even the names of the people, you know? Imagine uh, coming from a Shakespeare point of view, whereby uh, things are not, you read the things are not mm -hmm. exactly the English that mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. And you read something like by Shimachi Noja, for instance, Titi Dangaremba, mm -hmm. and she talks about pop. And that somebody was so poor that they walked to school, you know. You identify with those kind of things, you know. And then that's when you, uh, I, I, I used to teach, you know, when I'm reading African writers, I used to teach and say, this one is done, this one is done. So I was a greatest resident of um, a, a library. Our nearest was Lenasia. It was always, it always, or Johannesburg Library. It always had such kind of books. And I fell in, that's how I fell in love with uh, uh, African literature. But also my brother used to study at the University of Natal. So that was his taste. Some of the books he would read, because around that time, I mean in the 80s, early 80s, in the height of apartheid, for instance, you know, uh, you, you never knew we, what uh, book was banned and which one was not. You know, there are books that he would read because our house was too small, I think four bedrooms and uh, two bedrooms, you know. The other one, you don't count it because it's for mother and father. Mm -hmm. So this is for us as uh, seven of us who will sleep there. So imagine this one who always doesn't switch off the light. Mm -hmm. And then it's also reading under the blanket and it's laughing. And you feel like, in the morning you feel like, what was he reading? Mm -hmm. And then you want, that, you want to read. And, that's how I also started loving African literature because I felt closer to it, you know, the names that were there, you know, the, the things that they talked about, you know, and the language, the accessibility of language compared to Shakespeare, compared to the heart of darkness, you know, compared to different books that were forced into us. So that's the books that were there. 
I want to take you back to short story just for a little bit and, and characterization. Um, because often in, in short story, or I wonder if perhaps the trick with short story is to for characterization to be as full in a short story as it is in a, in a novel. And I wonder for you, how, how do you go about that? Is your characterization or your knowledge of a character, your, the, the depth and breadth of a character as deep? Because it feels that when you read it. It feels Nick's got a whole background, but outside of these 10 pages of the short story, there's a novel, there's a life, there's a history to these characters. So can you talk a little bit about the characterization of, of character in, in short story? So, so normally, you know, um, uh, I, I was lucky because I did African literature and, you know, at Mets University, but that's not the basis of it, actually. Because um, another luck that I had was to, I did, uh, uh, I was trained to write scripts for film. So, um, I was introduced to what we call character bible, you know. Uh, so in a character bible, you have to know your character very well. If your character uses a left, you must also write it that the character uses a left hand, because we don't want to see them use doing everything with their right hand in most cases, you know. And also for continuity purposes. So that's part of the training that also I had that you know, uh, strengthen uh, the way I looked into characters. But where does it come from? Um, my characters in most most cases, um, I, I'm a good observer of people, for instance. Uh, uh, it, 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 so I set stories, when I write, I have a particular character that I've met in real life. Yeah, so, and then I remake them, you know? So, um, and uh, also, uh, likely, you know, I live, uh, my story, that's why my stories mostly are stories that um, um rooted within my, uh, you know, around the people I live. Mm. So it, 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 I, I'm wondering whether it will, that's why it, I think it will be difficult for me to try some non-realist characters, you know, to write in a fantasy form or whatever, because yeah, it will be difficult unless I have that character Bible, you know. So, so I take from life characters. And another thing is like, uh, how do you write short stories? I've been also um, lucky to attend classes and so, where they'll tell you, uh, if, a short, if, if you are trying to write a short story and you have more than four characters, it's no longer a short story. So I realized that this is the, you know, this is, I should use this because it helps me to focus. Can be a teacher who is dominant and a whole classroom of 90 people, you know, mm -hmm. who are less dominant. So you focus on the dominant person. Yeah. yeah. But also, um, I think if you, uh, so I link a lot with a theme. Mm -hmm. So if um, uh, uh, I give a certain characteristics, to a, a person, uh, to a fitting person for that particular theme, for instance. If a person is an abuser, I will look into that. I read also a lot about real life abusers, you know, and write, base my stories around them. Uh, so it helps me to draw from all angles, you know, uh, from my um, training and a bit of training in uh, uh, script writing, also training in, I used to do uh, comic magazines for Media24 at some point. Maybe some of you know Mshana, long time ago. 
used to be one of the well-known uh, comic magazines. It was based on characters. Comics are based on characters as well, you know. So that's how I uh, draw my. Um, that's where I draw all of this experience, actually. Yeah. Do you leave your characters on the page? Do you do you go and then, you know, the end, and then she killed the husband and his girlfriend, and that's it? Or in your mind, are you now following? You know, she's in jail, and this, even though even though the story's done, or do you just leave them where they are? And no, if you, I think thanks for that question because if you look into my story about the politician here, the fireplace. It also takes from um, from Soweto under the uh, it's a continuation from the sto story in Soweto under the apricot tree. So I worked with Caroline a lot, and she said, "Let this character do this," and yeah. I said, "I'll get you on the next one. This character is going to leave because I'm not happy. <laughs> so it, uh, it, this character, I'm going to carry them forward. Mm. Yeah. So um, of course, uh, what I'm trying to say is that um, uh, you know the content. And of the stories, uh, you have to have uh, you have to invest a lot yeah. to have a good relationship with uh, your publisher, for instance, mm -hmm. so that you sit down and do the um, you know the what you call mind mapping mm -hmm. together, and say, oh, this is like there are lots of short stories that uh, uh, Caroline said we had, uh, this one uh, uh, the ending is too obvious, you know. Or um, uh, you know, are you someone um, who takes criticism well? Yeah, yeah, I do. Well. Yeah, yeah, I do. And have you um, always? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the strength of it. You have to take criticisms very well, but it doesn't mean that everything that uh, somebody says is the truth. You know, mm -hmm. them, yeah. Like I'll give you an example. Even the title of the book. You know how uh, uh, beautiful it is, for yeah. instance. What did? It was not my title. What did you want? I forgot. And then it was men for hire. Something of that nature. Men for hire. Yeah, men for hire. Yeah, yeah. It was men for hire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd entice people. <laughs> but this is this this says Nick Schnorgel to me. No, no, it was not my. Favorite. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's so yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. Listen, um, I want you to read. Yeah. I'm springing it on you, and I'm. It's from um. The title. Okay, so it's quite long, but it's from on our balcony. I'm going to give you. I'm going to set the scene for you. Um, on our balcony to, but for you, that's the other day. Okay. Do you want to? Some, do you want to explain the, the, the give the context of the story? Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. Yeah. So so um. For you, I'm still a good. It's a um, story uh, that is set in, um, in 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 Berlin during lockdown, and it's a story of love, for instance. It's a story of somebody uh, being trapped there, couldn't come back home, but he has somebody, and it has nothing to do with me. I'll explain it later. <laughs> so um. On our balcony, Ursula passes me the joint, bringing, back, bringing me back to the present. I suck on the zone, inhaling and slowly blowing out smoke. What I imagine to be a good plan crosses my mind. I want to share it with both Zwai and Ursula. 
hmm, I think this, this thing needs some ancestral intervention, I say. What do you mean? asks Kusula. This thing is simple. We must get a goat to slaughter here in Berlin and appease our ancestors. At first, Ursula laughs at the way I express my idea. I pass the joint to Zwei. The light winks uh, out of Ursula's eyes. A short, uncomfortable silence follows. Ursula shoots me one of her smoldering looks. The words vaporize on my tongue. Are you okay, bro? Zwei asks. Are you aware we are in Berlin and not in Petritive? <laughs> Maybe he is daydreaming again, says Ursula. Wake up, Lungelo. I'm serious about this. I've been thinking about it since the lockdown started. Now, both Ursula and Zwei appear shocked. Ursula, uh, Ursula turns her face up. She squints and breathes like the city is running out of air. What? Are you out of your mind, Lungelo? You can't be serious. You are joking, right? I'm not joking. I'm that serious, man. As I say, I've been thinking a lot about this since the, uh, the start of the lockdown and our cancelled shows. I've seen some goats at a small zoo along the Bergmannstrasse, right by Victoria Park. I think I can steal one nice goat that we can slaughter sometime this week. Oh my God, you are out of your mind. Stop smoking so much weed, says Zwei. The smoke from the Zol passing beneath his nostrils. This is Germany, my friend, not South Africa, in case you have forgotten. You can't steal. There are surveillance systems everywhere. Do you want to go to jail and jeopardize our chances of ever performing in German theaters again just for stealing a goat? Our choices are limited while here in Berlin, my friend. I spent sleepless nights worrying whether I will be able to make it back home alive. A goat will be able to communicate a message to the ancestors. Not being pessimistic, says Ursula. Everything will be over in a few weeks. This lockdown is not forever. In two weeks, you think? I don't think so. And that's exactly why we need to communicate with our ancestors to open the borders so that we can get the hell out of here safely. But still, I don't understand. What good does slaughtering a poor goat do? And why a goat specifically? Ursula, my love, I want to introduce you properly to my ancestors. I can, do, I can only do it with a goat. So your ancestors can only eat a goat? Not a rabbit, not a duck, not a turkey, or a chicken, but a goat. Yes, we must find a goat. Otherwise, our Africa will be nothing more than a distant rumor, my darling. We will never see our beautiful landscapes again. Do you remember that I promised to take you there? We have been planning to visit South Africa. 
I promise you, uh, I promise to introduce her uh, to my parents in Pretty Reef. That is the promise I will keep. Maybe after that, we can take our relationship to another level. Last week, my cousin succumbed to COVID. Today is why I got the bad news that this grandmother is in hospital. We need a God to communicate with our ancestors so that they can show us the way. I know, Zwai says, but at the moment I don't miss Africa. I miss performing in the theater here, and not those landscapes of baobabs, acacias, and tall grasses. Exactly why we need a goat, my friend. Well, if the goat can help us get uh, us back into the theater again, then I'm in. Ursula looks skeptical. No ancestor will hear you from this foreign place with a stupid goat. Shh, you cannot talk like that, Ursula, my love. You will pay for it in the next world if you continue using expressions like that. Ancestors are gods, omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. So they support the killing of an animal, of an innocent, beautiful animal. No way I'm going along with that idea. Well, it is my tradition to sacrifice a goat for my ancestors when I face challenges like this. Why is it always according to your tradition? I think my ancestors would be angry if I don't announce our love for each other to them properly through the blood of a goat. Zwai rolls another joint and we all lapse into silence contemplation. Is that why you are often get a bad rap for writing women, yeah. um, often fairly, <laughs> Julie. Um, what are your, how do you make sure that you are writing women in a way that you won't get a bad rap? Uh, well, I was e expecting a bad rap. Right, okay. <laughs> so, so I'm glad, um, I think so far, uh, people that have, uh, you know, read the book always come to me and say, oh, you wrote uh, 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 women very good. So it was a journey that I took to, there was a journey that I took in 2020 to write, to read most feminist books. Mm. You know, uh, you talk about your Benedin, you talk about Chimamanda, you mm. talk about the different, different people, you know, mm. uh, Bell, uh, the late past. Bell Hooks? Yeah, Bell Hooks, yeah. So I read a lot of that, you know. So it was it was my, uh, uh, you know, I knew that I, I wanted to write something and to read to know something, in order to understand the world mm -hmm. of patriarchy mm -hmm. and also of feminism at mm -hmm. the same time. So that's the journey I took, and it really fascinated me because, you know, uh, the writings taught me a number of things that I was that I always took for granted. Okay, nice. You know. Um, you know, a number of things like, for instance, um, in terms of also, um, you know, the, I'll give you a simplest one, the simplest one, uh, the debate around, uh, 
you know, the, the LG... LGBTQI yeah, yeah, plus. Yeah, plus, yeah. yeah. So the, the debate around that actually, uh, so uh, I understood the debate more. But also, it may, um, the other things that are so obvious were um, uh, the things like, uh, I, I live with my sisters, and they are not married, all of them, you know? And the pressure that they are living under, you know, including my own home, you know, like for instance, decisions making, it's part of main business, you understand? So reading the feminist, uh, uh, Books um, help me to understand most of those, you know, and also how sometimes patriarchy itself could be. Uh, other women can help sustain patriarchy, sure. you know. So it helped me to do that to understand uh, that because even in my home, my own home, you find my sisters perhaps who say, "Oh, uh, you guys are wanted to go in to talk about A, B, C, and D mm -hmm. to go and plan." a funeral of somebody, mm -hmm. you know, because it's a male business, mm -hmm. you understand? But money is expected from them, you know, to mm -hmm. contribute. Mm -hmm. So those are the books that help me uh, a lot, for instance, uh, to uh, write these characters and also to theme mm -hmm. the book in the way that I've themed it, you know. Um, but it's the stories that were already in existence in my head yeah. that I wanted to write about. So I just didn't know. Some of the stories I had to change they were written from a male point of view, mm. and then I had to change that. Which ones? Um, oh, like, 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 for instance, the second story, woman, uh, it was not, um, what is it, the one of a book? My Love is Secret. Yeah, it was from a male point of view, for instance, really? when I started it. Yeah, yeah. And then I decided, now, uh, it will make sense in this way. Definitely. Know? Yeah, and also that other one of, um, a lady, the lady um, that is married to this guy, and then she's having an affair. She's having an affair with her. Yeah, it was written from a male point of view as well. So I had to change all that uh, after reading these books. Got it. Yeah, so that uh, you know, I bring in something that is. New. I mean, the, the, the uh, what I love about short story and what you do here is is the kind of the twist. The twist. The twist not always coming at the end. A twist in terms of perspective. Mm -hmm. And my lover's secret was just brilliant. For me, the way that I mean, it just and, and actually, it actually now I'm thinking about it, it's sort of irrelevant what how the characters identify gender wise, yep. isn't it? In, in my other secret, what's what are your thoughts on, on authors writing outside of their own experience? There's so much conversation around it. Um, <laughs> I was in a writing workshop about two years ago. Checking, there's no possibility that person's in the room. Um, she's not. Um, and it was this. It was a sort of middle-aged white woman who spends six months of the year in Cannes and then the other six months of the year in London. And she was saying that she wanted to write a book about um, a young boy who grew up in. I'm going to say Kailicha, I'm sure it was or somewhere, and and about his struggle. And it, we were on a Zoom meeting, and I, I. How is the question? And the facilitator of the workshop was far more diplomatic than I was, and I just kind of was like, that is the most offensive and ridiculous idea I've ever heard. Um, please go away and write something else. Or not, or not at all. Um, well, but there, there, is a, there is a line in which, if we follow that through completely strictly, I could only ever write about 
um, black people of mixed race who were born in Joburg and raised in England, and, and you could only ever write black South African men who were raised in Soweto. So how do you, what is your take on writing outside of one's lived experience? I mean, it's a great idea for me, you know? I mean, why, uh, as a writer, you must write about anything. I mean, why, uh, otherwise, we wouldn't be reading fantasy today mm. because we're not living in the fantasy world, oh. you know? So uh, as long as you write it well, and if you are writing as a form and you tell yourself, I'm writing to represent, mm. then represent those people well, yeah. if you are writing to represent, you know? Yeah of which I don't write to represent. Um, I write to cathart in most cases. And uh, when I start writing, I always write because I've got a story to tell and I want to tell it in the way that I understand my world. It's my world. So if you write, if you want to write a story, and then uh, if you, uh, I, I, I think writers should not be limited, you know? If I want to write a story and set a book in London, why not? There's uh, uh, somebody, I always have this topic with, uh, with uh, my friends, actually. And there's a guy that we used to love. I, I mean, uh, each and every home had that book, actually, uh, in Soweto Forest. I think it's James Hartley Chase. And I heard that this person has never been to New York, you know? And imagine he wrote the story uh, 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 in the 50s where there's no what is it, uh, Google or whatever, he bought an atlas and then sent the stories on his mind. But we believed it, because that's the representation that he gave us. We liked it, you know. So, uh, and he did it so well, you know. So, but he has never been to that place. So what I'm saying is that nothing limits us to write about anything, as long as we write well, but, um, the danger is when you write a story and you write in, in a way that you want to represent a particular group of people right, yeah. because you are now wanting to be a spokesperson yeah. of that particular group, yeah. uh, unsolicited uh, you know, mm, job. Mm, mm. So that is the job you have to do well, yeah. you know, and uh, you have to, it, it, it's not like it's not doable. Uh, what is more important about it is that you have to know your research so well. You have mm -hmm. to. It, it takes a lot out of you, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because it's the world that you are attempting to do, you know, yeah. and yeah. also what is in the back of your mind, because you want to represent people. People in always in all all cases want to be represented so well, yeah. wherever they are, you know. It's like somebody. Uh, uh, coming and telling me uh, that we hear everything, you know, um, the stereotypes, you know. So that's why it's very difficult. Like, for instance, you want to write something about a story set in Joburg, and it involves uh, a Nigerian, and you always write, ah, so he comes and he sells drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's not what the people are. You yeah, know? That's yeah. what, not what the people are doing, yeah. you know. And then you want to write a story about a South African, and say, then he was carrying a gun. You know, it cement the stereotypes that we are a violent country and not all of us are violent, you know. So your representation might end up being a misrepresentation of the yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about some of the themes uh, in the book and then I'm going to open up for questions, um, which I'm sure that you have. Um, revenge as a theme, displacement as a theme. 
God, that was one that just, I mean, there's sort of displacement in every single, every single story in, in some sort of iteration. Um, the, the emasculation of the South African man, and that was a, another big one. Do things happen? Do they, do they happen kind of organically? Or do you set out and say, and this story will be about the displacement of this family? How does it work? So, so I'm mostly based on themes. When I write uh, short stories, it's mostly on themes. Yeah. You might realize that when you read this particular story, this place that you are, you are talking about, it resonates with what is happening at the moment, yeah. you know? And it's the story, it's a continuation of a theme that I've left hanging in, uh, what is that, the first? Um, uh, no, the first, uh, Affluenza, you know? The first story there, it's about displacement as well, you know? The first story in that uh, collection. So uh, I'm talking to the, uh, you know, the, the, the recurrence of themes. Yeah. You know, it's something that, um, uh, for instance, uh, when we talk about displacement, it seems as if we're talking about things, uh, if we talk about displacement now, mm. it seems as if, you know, is the theme and homelessness. Mm -hmm. it's, it seems as if these are the themes that only happened after apartheid, mm -hmm. you know. These are the themes that happened, I mean, even before. Oh, yeah. So they're a continuation, and these are the maybe some of the things that we've been failing to solve as South Africans, how to, uh, you know, put people into the right homes and whatever, you know. So, um, uh, but also the story in itself um, uh, carries some sort of distant memories from me because my generation, other generation, my family came from uh, so far top, you know. And then um, the way they were displaced you know, uh, from that area, when they tell the stories, it's almost a similar story, yeah. you know? And that story, it's also, even now, like for instance, I'll give you an example, how uh, specifically now, how the story came into being. So I have a friend of mine who, um, uh, uh, you know, listened to the heat of EFF, for instance, and say, we must occupy the vacant land. They went, they occupied a vacant land around uh, Lanashia, not very far from my home. And they lived for about six years. He used to visit that place, his place. So they used to be, he had built, uh, you know, proudly, you know, uh, uh, four kids were born out of there. And then um, uh, with a three bedroom, double story. And then I came back from my visits overseas and then I went and it was all flattened because the government came back and said, this is a, it's a land, it's not, you build on a wrong land, you know? So if you look into that story, it's similar to the stories that I've had from Sofata. So this was me trying to trace the displacement, although there are different categories of displacement. Yeah. The one in Sofatan was, uh, but they are both post kind of yeah. displacements. But the one in Sofatan um, was from the whole um, apartheid system, and this one is happening in the uh, post-apartheid. But the main thing, both of them have got a theme of homelessness, which is the current, uh, you know, um, 
it's one of the current challenges in South Africa at the moment. Yeah. Listen, I'm aware of the time and I've, I've talked for too long probably and asked too many of my questions, so I'm going to open up. Um, if anybody's got a question for Nick, we can just have a, a discussion. We can... Moloni, um, okay, I don't really have questions. Okay, you took me away from Daniel Steele. Uh, when I grew up... <laughs> growing up, I was reading Daniel's like almost everything by if it came out. My mom knew that, okay, Mali at home is going to get lost, and then a book would be here. So, and when I, when I read your work, like, I'm like, I want more. And then your books comes long after the other. And then I, like, in Velcom, honestly, I felt like they were very scarce. I grew up in Velcom in the first stage, so books are not really, like, a thing, thing, thing. But there are bookshops, and then you wouldn't, I wouldn't find your books. It was like, I'm dying for the next one, and then I'll get them, which was lovely. Uh, but I'm always complaining. You just, okay, I like that you're saying, now, now I'm going to have to go back and read most of them, because you're saying your characters continue. Yeah. So I'm going to check for the others that I'm not happy with and see if they continue somewhere else and got <laughs> the sort of uh, ending that I want. I don't like that. Uno Tula was just left by Mr. Boya. I She's one, and Utatabandu, who saw him cheating with a man, is oh. not happy. I'm not happy with that. Oh. Like, I'm not happy about a number of things. But, okay, if you're saying your characters are continuing, yeah. I'm not going to ask you to, please, okay, this one just for me in an email. <laughs> I'm just going to wait up until the others. Yeah. I just want to say, I love, love, love your work. Thank oh, you. That's a beautiful thing to say. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad that you are going to look for more characters. I think right at the moment, because I, there are three short story collections. So go back to others and see. I always feed the, uh, uh, yeah, the, the themes. But uh, also is that that's exactly what short stories, uh, their job is to do that, is to raise such kind of curiosity, you know? And um, uh, for me, Again, is that when I read a book, I don't want um, the book to tell me what to do, you know. I want it to leave me with open-ended questions, you know. It could go this way and that way. No, because life in itself is not one straight road, you know. So that's how I write. I write like that, too, so that um, as a reader, for instance, um, you uh, have your own conclusions based on your own uh, experiences and your environment. So, but um, yeah, that's a, there are certain writers that always look for uh, the ending and whatever, but uh, it, also it comes with training. You know, when you're writing for, uh, I was also trained to write for soapies, for instance. There's always, they talk about cliffhangers. Yeah, so I like cliffhangers a lot, you know, uh, because it leaves you with possibilities. This character could go this way, could go that way. And uh, that's the interpretation of life, uh, in a nutshell, yeah. Please yeah. do continue with that much. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that, uh, on that perfect note, we're going to end it. It's funny that you say you were waiting. I mean, between you and Fred Komala, I don't know two authors who produce more. I mean, I think between the two of you, I must have had five books sent to me in the last 18 months, I promise you. Um, this has been fantastic. This has been such a treat for me. It's been like a writing masterclass also that I'm going to take away with me. Thank you so much for coming. It's been wonderful. Nick, thank you. This has been really just an absolute treat for me. And thank you for another beautiful book.
Thank you, sir. And I really, really appreciate it. It was a lovely, lovely, uh, you know, uh, discussion.